Welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 8 on the Faith FM network or you're maybe on the app or you're, I don't know where, but you are listening to us and welcome. It's 7 o'clock on this beautiful Monday morning and uh, you are joined by myself, Lawson, and across me we've got Renee. Hey Ooh. Lawson, that was an awesome intro. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, I practiced at home. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, Lyle is not with us this no. week. Um, he's doing some amazing work um, up north, uh, teaching at the local missions training uh, training the local the local mission volunteer Very training, cool. doing some awesome stuff, uh, teaching on the books of Daniel and Revelation. But that means for this week, it's just it's just me and you, yeah, hanging out, yeah, vibing. Well, I'll be here tomorrow. So good. So what are you going for for this morning? Well, I was thinking about this and I am on my drive up uh-huh. um, from the underwater world. Um, <laughs> and I'm really thankful for um, high beams and windscreen wipers because there are times <laughs> yes. um, like when I was driving on the bend of the road, I was like, I can't see <laughs> further, much further in front of me. So I just flipped the switch and um, alas, there was light. So yes, good stuff. Keeping that. you safe. That's <laughs> Awesome. Yes. Of course, uh, we're going to be getting into the floods a little bit later, talking yeah. about that. Of course, this has been the big story over mm-hmm. the weekend and of the back half of last week. But because of the floods, uh, we had some training that was going to be running um, in Stewart's Point, which is around the Coffs Harbour area, on how to run care group, do care group ministry and university ministry. Um, because of that, a lot of people were not coming to my church and I was going to preach. I, I was staying home and holding down the foot, but because it got cancelled, basically... It didn't happen up north. It happened down here in Newcastle, and we were incredibly blessed over the weekend to have uh, Johnny Wong speak to us about how to run these incredible ministries that are wow. affecting thousands of people around the world. So, fantastic stuff. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. A reminder to those that are listeners out there, Lyle is away for this week. All right, Renee, what's happening in the world of positively different news? Okay, so this story is positive, but it also makes me laugh because... (laughs) Both positive things. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Um, Lyle talks about his disdain for cats. Yeah, And I will join the disdain train and say, Mm -hmm. I do not like rats. Right. Okay. I'm not a fan yeah, of You rats. know what? That's that's very reasonable. Thank you. Yeah. That's okay. All I I, think. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> get cats this. are here and there, but rats, you know, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. So, formerly known as Rat Island, ugh, this spot <laughs> in the Alatutian um, islands have become an example of how ecosystems can fully recover from their natural state in a little more than a decade. So, basically, oh, wow. this island, which was overrun with rats, completely recovers in only eleven. Years after after the uh, ecosystem had been decimated, so along the western edge of the Alaskan um, uh, along Alaska, um, the the land had inadvertently become populated with rodents, which led to the name Rat Islands. (laughs) (laughs) The non-native invaders were um, actually. Accidentally introduced to these islands following shipwrecks dating back to the 1700s 
and World War II occupation. Mm-hmm. So, known to be the most damaging invasive animals, the resilient rodents, which, uh, okay, fair, um, uh, adapted and thrived in the new setting, overwhelming the island's ecosystem and disrupting the natural eco- ecological order and driving out native species. So, I don't like them because they just ruined, they just ruined the they island. They just ruined everything. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah, you. 100%. Yeah. But, okay, so how did they drive them out? Like, what was the solution for this? That's a good question. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, I'm not quite sure. They just said that. It's just, it just happened. Especially, <laughs> why did you ask me that question? Let me get through the story of why they're bad. I don't exist. <laughs> Okay, no, no. There's been a strategy to remove the rats in 2008. Sorry. Okay. Um, and it just says like the researchers were able to. The researchers just found it. Oh, look, it's much better than 11 years ago. So, yay, positive news. <laughs> this is positive news section, not why. Oh my goodness. No, that's awesome. No, oh, because that's a really good. No, this is actually good. I wanted to know because this this. Uh, problem comes upon many people, particularly islands, yes. um, because it's easy, uh, small essentially, ecosystem. To, yeah, small area, small ecosystem to to infest. You know, yeah. um, there's no place for them to move, and so they just multiply, multiply, multiply. I know in areas like Jamaica, for example, they had a rat problem, and so to really? solve their rat problem, they brought in snakes, and then they had a snake problem. Okay, and yeah. so to solve their snake problem, they brought in dogs. And now they have a dog problem. So it seems as though if this more happened naturally, then... Or or they just didn't say, because, like, literally it just says they had a... Um they had a, a process of removing the rats, but I don't know how it was removed. Yeah, surely. <laughs> uh, it, well, the the article doesn't mention whether, whether the island's in disrepute right now to snakes or dogs. So you know, let's just assume it worked out good for them. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go there. Let's go there. Hey. Um, but, uh, hey, the, the problem was that the rats preyed upon shore eggs and chicks, which sure. is what we were saying. It nearly wiped out the island's breeding shore bird population. Mm-hmm. So, I guess with the rats removed, that's a great thing. Let's, maybe tomorrow we'll uh, talk about <laughs> what's happening in the island tomorrow. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so there is a um, small micro town which gives um, people with cognitive impairment, dementia, independence and social engagement. So a small community in uh, Balmere, just north of Brisbane, is mm-hmm. turning a traditional aged care model on its head with providing a sense of independence, engagement and normalcy for its 120 residents. Um, many of these people... Um, have lived with uh, cognitive impairments such as dementia. And so at this micro town, you'll find facilities, as you expect in any other town, a cinema, a corner store, a cafe, beauty salon, GP, dentist, and even a town centre. It's essentially like a little suburb, but it caters to older people and people who are living with disability. And that's what the CEO, Natasha Chadwick, tells ABC Radio Brisbane. She says that the way that we've developed the town is just like, uh, is just like services that you would have in any suburb in any community here in Australia. And she's a very big believer in inclusiveness. Mm. And she doesn't understand like when someone gets a brain disease or impairment, all of a sudden we think that they need to be in a secure ward and secure away from everyone else. Mm. When in fact, people, humans in all need community, all need connection. Mm. And so this town works to do that. Um, instead of a one large hotel style facility often seen in traditional aged care, 
The micro town has 17 separate houses um, with seven people living in each, and they um, they enable people to have their independence and freedom to continue to be the person that they were at home before they came to live in care. <clears throat> So each dwelling has a trained house companion who's responsible for everything from meal preparation to medication management, who is supported by a team of specialists. And she says that we have 24 seven registered nurses, allied health, podiatry, dietitians, physiotherapists, occupational therapists. Um, the CEO says pretty much everything the Royal Commission is suggesting we should have providing as aged care providers. Um, and from my small experience in working in aged care homes, mm-hmm. like the transition between being independent in your own home and to becoming dependent on such basic and simple tasks is a big change for for people, for um, these people moving into into retirement villages or whatever. So I think as in, in this system, in this program where they're trying to maintain independence for their for their people is a really good mm. thing to see yeah it's essentially like it's a it's it's free range yeah it's it's living uh within freedom so humane yeah. so good um but it's also giving a leg up to those who are struggling with that you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different um, I love that. Oh man, I had the privilege of embarrassing Lyle last Friday Did with you? a quiz. Ooh. Yeah, so oh, we didn't actually announce on air. So the answer to last Friday's quiz was Daniel. Okay, um, which is uh, one of Lyle's favorite biblical topics, one of the, his most studied biblical topics. But the way I presented the quiz was so obvious yet subversive <laughs> that people were getting it on the text line people were winning the prizes but Lyle just went crazy with it because I said in our first clue I said um, despite this person's good looks and popularity there's no record of their marriage of course Dave, uh, Daniel oh. was never married because he was a eunuch right oh no <laughs> and then after that I gave very obvious Daniel clues like yes. he came into authority from a young age his authority wasn't in Israel he was a descendant of David but Lyle was just lost he on this marriage this was married. and he's just like there's no record of their wedding <laughs> there's no record of their marriage there's no record of their spouse or their wife man it was hilarious but anyways let's have a, let's have a look at some current news stay close to those phones because uh yeah can have more clues later but some current news of course we have to talk about the weather this morning because mm. we are living in in amongst history we are what is touted as a one in 100 year flood oh. by new south wales premier uh, premier gladys berejiklian uh yeah essentially this is this is pretty crazy and what i have to say about this you know um obviously is it's quite it's quite devastating for a number of people this is quite a serious thing but what i find interesting about this is how it kind of snuck up on us Mm. particularly here in Newcastle. I remember, actually, again, this is another throwback to last week. I believe it was last Thursday. I was saying that I was grateful for the weather Um, because, you know, I assume, you know, we'd been seeing lots of rain, Mm. which is usually a good thing. Yeah. Um, Of course, even now here in Newcastle, I, you know, walk out of my house this morning and Mm. almost sink through my front lawn (laughs) where my car was parked. But, yeah, no, I'm like, oh, the you know, lots of rain. This is a very good thing. You know, people's, uh, you know, water tanks will be overfilled and, and that's great. And then we're informed. Someone called up and was like, actually, you know, we're starting to flood. Oh. And then now, you know, come Monday, yeah. it's very a very serious situation at the moment. Um, Sydney residents have received a 3 a.m. warning to be evacuated. Of course, this has already heavily affected the mid-north coast areas like Coffs Harbour and... Um, 
Atari and whatnot, they've seen massive rainfall. They're being evacuated. They're being flooded. Um, so it's incredibly heavy stuff. You know, th- yeah. this isn't just any regular old rainfall, but it was just strange. It, it just really snuck off on us. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can, uh, I can think back to, you know, the floods up in the North Coast in 2017, um, and some of the cyclones that have come before that, where it was like, oh, huge storm warnings, flash flooding, you know, whatnot. Whereas, yeah, this has just been a kind of gradual thing where it yeah. started raining. There, we did get a flash flood warning in Newcastle last Monday, but it just flooded. Uh, just like rain really hard and then stopped okay. whereas like yeah really this flood has been like it started raining and it kept raining <laughs> and it rained harder absolutely and it didn't stop <laughs> and it kept raining mm-hmm. and it didn't stop raining yeah so it's just interesting to see uh yeah in this situation es- especially like for the last few years or so two years ago like we've been focusing on the fires and everything mm-hmm. else and then all of a sudden the rain and yeah it's been really like honestly just driving on the highway it's really dangerous and slippery yeah <laughs> so rain essentially what we've seen is an ecological disaster in the fire followed by a, you know, a pandemic mm-hmm. disaster. And man, I, I really think that, oh, it's, it's a great, it was a great thing that the fires really cleared up during that time. Um, because man, a f- fire and a pandemic, that, that'd be gnarly. But yeah. so we, then we saw a pandemic and now we're coming out of the pandemic. Um, and now we're seeing floods. So mm-hmm. really heavy stuff. Of course, uh, there are no, you know, SES are doing their best to cover this problem. There, there would be, I believe, a number of people, um, doing aid at this time. I could think of, you know, Adra, the Red Cross, who, who was reaching out to pe- displaced people. Um, and of course, it doesn't seem like this is going to ease up in the next couple of days. So I guess we'll keep an eye out and see what's going on there. Um, just quickly, I wanted to mention too some Corona news. Uh, we're, we're seeing the, you know, in some ways, the logical conclusion of uh, the introduction of the vaccine. Uh, we are seeing that the uh, Professor Brendan Murphy, who works on behalf of the government, uh, has said that we will soon see the um, reduced use in hotel quarantine. Soon people will be able to do self-isolation when it comes to travel. So mm-hmm. that's, a you know, when it comes to traveling, when it comes to leaving Australia, this is, mm-hmm. you know, to go to a country that doesn't have those restrictions, it's it's. Or whether they do or don't, it's on based on that other country. But the problem for a lot of people is coming back to Australia. I know uh, producer Shell had a, uh, a run-in with that last year, having to be quarantined in Sydney for two weeks uh, in, a, in a hotel. And obviously, not only is that uh, just lame because you're stuck in a hotel for yeah. two weeks, but it's also very costly and expensive. Mm-hmm. Um so it's good to see that clearing up. Just quickly, in the last couple of minutes uh, that we had... I talked a little bit about Twitter and social media last week, me and Lyle. And, uh, probably, probably the, the hottest commodity on Twitter who is currently seen, um, very much reduced usage after he was, uh, kind of silent. Donald Trump, oh. former president of the United States, uh, has, is, is currently on break from social media after, you know, everything that's happened, losing the presidency and, uh, what went down on Twitter and all the information and the, the storm that kind of circled around whether the election uh, votes were true or not. He has essentially come to the conclusion that uh, he's going to come back to social media in the next couple of months, but it's going to be on his own platform that he will be starting a new social media platform. Now, as I read this, he, he you know, from his spokesperson's words, it's going to attract t- tens of millions of users and completely redefine the game. 
but what I see here is Donald Trump, he's peaked. Mm. You know, he's peaked in relevancy. He, he's no longer president. That's why he became a, a, a social media star. <laughs> uh, um, I wouldn't say necessarily a darling of the social medias, <laughs> but definitely a star of the social medias. But, um, you know, but now, like, he's no longer has anything to do with the presidency. Mm. Um, and uh, it seems that, you know, he'll start this platform. And in my opinion, it'll probably fail quite quickly. But this kind of just harkens to, it, 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 as I talk about this, like... You know, the platforms that we have and the ability that we have to use them, the fact that they're all privatized, it's not really a fair thing. Mm. I think that ultimately at the end of the day, you know, one-on-one conversation is the way to go. And I think it's definitely, it's definitely our method for, you know, as Christians interacting with one another. Of course, we can use these platforms for good. Uh, but we might talk about this a little bit later. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But we now have our time, our guest interview time. We've got Tim Turner there. Tim, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. Oh, Tim, yeah, of course I can hear you, man. How's it going? Yeah, good, Lawson. Good to be on with you guys. And Lawson and Renee, how are you guys? Oh, just winning, Renee. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Good to hear from you, Tim. Yeah, hey, likewise. <laughs> oh, Renee, how do you, how do you know Tim? Oh, me and Tim go way back. Yeah, <laughs> I know him from college. <laughs> oh, awesome stuff. I I know Tim from college, but in a roundabout way. I was Bible working for Raymond Terrace Mission Adventist Church in 2019, and Tim was the student pastor there. So, oh mate, love to hear from Timmy. <laughs> um, and Tim, oh, great stuff. So we're going to be talking to you today about your journey of faith um, and how you came to know God, uh, how you came to the place where you are now where you're, uh, you, you know, you've just finished up your theology degree, you have a lovely family, uh, wife and kids, um, and yeah, just the way that God has worked in your life. So I guess I can just start by asking you, like, Tim, what's your background? Where are you, where are you from? Who is Tim Turner? Yeah, good question to start with. I guess I, I was um, I was born at a very young age, like most people. Um, <laughs> Tim's got <laughs> jacks. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm a dad. Yeah, oh, <laughs> so good. Before that, <laughs> I um, I guess I grew up sort of in the church and out of the church. My mum was sort of in and out all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so from from about age of five, I think starting to go to school. My mum. Started studying at university. I felt like I lost my mum, and so she was a single mum. And um, mm. sometimes she'd be up ages doing assignments and things. Seemed like she was always doing assignments, and so we sort of played on that a bit. Would go and ask her, "Hey, mum, can I have a biscuit?" Yeah, yeah. She just say that to get rid of it. <laughs> and um, so I thought, "Oh, how far can we milk it, mum? Can I watch TV? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mum, can I um, can I have some ice cream? Yeah, yeah. Uh, mum, can I drive the car? Yeah, yeah. Hey, wait a minute, what was that? <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah. That's uh, wait. How old you were you when this was going on? Oh, uh, five or six. <laughs> uh, Good <laughs> I had two older brothers, so that kind of helped with the understanding of how it would all work. Oh, so, nice, um, nice. Yeah, basically, I felt like it was really sort of experiencing neglect after I was about five. Mm. So that kind of left an emotional wound there, mm. and. Um, the church I grew up in was really sort of very legalistic. It was always about the works. You sort of had to be perfect for God, mm. um, which is completely different to the way I understand things now. But it, it sort of left a, a, a real difficulty for me to really connect with God in that because I knew I wasn't perfect. Mm. I'm pretty sure most people know they're not perfect. Um, and so I started to medicate my um, emotional pain, uh, neglect and stuff with gaming. 
and then that later on led into pornography as well. So that was sort of like something that hung around for 20 years. But that was that was kind of like my background as to where I was from. Um, in and out of the church, didn't know how to um, sort of really approach God and deal with the addictions and get out of them. You know, you sort of hate some things that you do and you just can't stop. So, mm. yeah, so that's kind of like my, my background. And so... For you, Tim, you know, going, experiencing that ne- neglect from a young age and then, then falling into those addictions, um, you know, it kind of comes a time where that, you know, you hit that rock bottom and then things start to turn around and, and talk about that experience of God coming into your life. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. So my, I was engaged at the time. Um, and I, she'd asked me questions and I'd answered them. As truthfully as I could at the time, there's a lot of denial that was sort of really, um, I guess, stopping me from going the whole hog. But um, uh, I told her I hadn't been playing games for ages, and I had been. Um, just couldn't really bring myself to own up to what, what I was doing. Thought it was going to destroy our relationship. Thought she'd leave, and so I thought everything was on the line. Um, and one one day, uh, I'd been gaming all night, and she came over to wake me up for, for college. And uh, I just lied to her face, and I just it hit me so hard that I just lied to my my fiance's face. That um, I didn't. I sort of just stayed up all day, sort of punished myself. And um, when she came back, I just told her. And then the questions started, and I decided I was going to answer them honestly. And um, so that was uh, three months before the wedding, and um, that was really brutal. She she felt really destroyed from that, uh, really betrayed as well. Like a there's a lot of stuff that I really just wasn't proud of doing. Um, and obviously, when you've got an addiction and stuff, it just it makes you go further than you want to go and makes you pay more than you want to pay. And that was very true to me. And so she was discovering basically what, what I'd done and how I'd betrayed her, and that really just you know, just destroyed her. Um, but from there, God, like it's, it's amazing how he works. Hang on. So started to build the relationship back into a way that was stronger and better than I'd ever experienced in my entire life. And um, she's come to know who I am and all my horror. Um, and that's changed. I just recently had seven years of sobriety from both um, gaming and pornography. So that was amazing. But yeah, God just, he, he allowed me to experience what it was like to be loved even in my darkest moments. And that kind of just really started to, to change who I was. But, um, yeah, there, there was, a, I guess, a, a growing experience in, in many ways. Um, uh, I started to fight for others in, in the battle and, and just seeing the changes that was happening with myself and, and then with others and then seeing families get saved and, and so they're not getting divorced anymore because the, the guy's taking care of his own business and, and um, yeah, just seeing the, the changes that are, uh, happening all around me has just been a, uh, a miracle. Oh, that's so powerful. So it seems as though that, that, uh, it was essentially, yeah, you had that rock bottom experience. Um, and that came in the form of, you know, that those struggles in your relationships and that kind of turned you 
turn you back to God. Um, and I love that too, how you mentioned that, you know, it wasn't only this kind of internal change that happened to you and this, this coming to know God better and this change to the heart, but how that had a profound effect on your relationships as well. Um, like, uh, yeah, particularly with your wife as that, you know, that was the person who you were kind of going through that with. I'd love to, to know, um, and just hear like kind of what's your journey like being then in terms of, you know, what you've been doing and how God has really kind of led you through, um, you know, you, you've gone through those challenges, you've found God and, and things have started to change. I'd just love to know, yeah, what's what's your life looked like then? What's What's been the upward trajectory with God and, and what's been the logistics and semantics of that? Yeah, so that that is like totally changed. Um, starting to experience grace from somebody else has allowed me to experience grace from God and that, mm. that has changed a lot of things for me um, the whole the having to be perfect for God um, ha- has started to change in huge ways as well because it's the, the beauty of the gospel like, uh, as far as I can tell all the other different religions that I've looked into they all have some sort of works based um, experience of, of salvation where they, you know your good deeds have to outweigh your bad deeds um, you've got to work off your karma. Um, you've got to, uh, you know, make yourself one with everything and, and remove all the. Uh, I can't remember exactly how uh, Buddhism puts it, but um, it's always you doing something. Whereas with, with Christianity, with mm-hmm. Jesus, it's not about you doing anything at all. It's about Him doing everything and accepting it. And so that that has been huge for me because it's oftentimes in, in the places where you know that you're, you know, you're, you're coming up bankrupt and. So from my experience, um, I was always coming up bankrupt and coming through this experience where, being, where I'm being loved in my bankrupt state uh, really allowed me to see a God who loved me and it allowed me to actually accept that Jesus loves me and that Jesus has worked for me and he died for me personally. And then so one of the things I think that really came out of that is uh, looking at the way I can, uh, I guess, fight for, for others and, and just work for him. Mm. It's, it's been a really really fun experience. Um, sorry, I can't remember the question. So I'll sleep. Three kids, five and under. Um, yeah, no, so basically I just, the, the experience has been a, um, a growing in Christ and an understanding of, of, of greater love for both myself and for others. And uh, every part of my life has changed for the better. Uh, being in my addiction, I couldn't feel enjoyment of anything else except the addiction. Um there was no, no joy in life. And when I'd try and stop, so I might go 12 months without doing it, but when I'd try and stop, uh, the withdrawal symptoms and just the, the utter emptiness and, and feeling like nothing was, I couldn't get enjoyment out of food, I couldn't get enjoyment out of basically anything other than my addiction. Um, mm. But coming out of that now, I'm, I'm, I can have enjoyment <clears throat> seeing my dishes done because I've just you know washed up for 20 minutes or something. And it is, it's, my brain chemicals are... are healing themselves and I'm, I'm experiencing the joy of living um, and every part of my life is just better I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband um, I'm a better Christian, I'm a better pastor I'm just a better person I'm more kind to others, I'm thinking I'm more considerate um, not so selfish anymore so it's just every part of my life has, has started to change for the better um, and one thing in particular, understanding uh, I guess how God sees me is that he doesn't hold me accountable for the emotional wounds that I experienced in childhood. Uh, mm. It's like, well, if you're if you're a five year old, 
how are you supposed to, you know, fulfill your own emotional needs? You're supposed to get love and affirmation and affection from your parents. I grew up without a dad. Um, and so it's like, well, half of that's already gone. You can't fulfill that yourself. And he doesn't hold you accountable for those things. He just understands that this is something that happened to you. Uh, it's led you down a certain path, and your coping mechanisms are really survival techniques. And so, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a good thing, and you get stuck in it, but he, he's not beating out of the head with it. For me, that was just like a huge breakthrough. There's, there's this God who loves me in my weakest and my worst moments. And so it's just like, well, how does that change everything? So just uh, all of a sudden, I'm accepted. All of a sudden, I'm loved and, and cherished. And that just has been mind-blowing. And the fact that in, in Scripture, we're told that it's not on our own righteousness. There's nothing that we have done can recommend us to God, but it is on Christ. And so even if I've stuffed up that morning, I could still turn to God and say, look, sorry, stuffed up. And expect that he will answer my prayers because mm. it's Christ's blood. And as long as I'm submitting to him and saying, well, all right, I've stuffed up, what do you want me to do? Um, I have full confidence that whatever I ask for and um, whatever I'm, I'm being asked to do by him is, is going to be fulfilled. So it's, it's just like everything has changed. Amen. The powerful stuff. Look, we only have about 30 seconds left, but I want to ask you now, you've made the transition into pastoral ministry. Uh, where are you serving now? I'm at Dorigo and I'm at Nambucca Heads. So oh, so good out in the country with your family as well. Um, oh, that's so amazing. Tim, thank you so much for sharing your journey of faith um, and coming out of addiction. It's something that we the, we all suffer from. And, and uh, yeah, Tim, I just thank you for being so open. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.